Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 519, December 15th, 2020. 51 degrees was the high on this day, and that was in 2014. And it was 21 below on this day in 1901. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, director of social media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. Did everyone complete their homework assignment? I have a, a question to ask in that regard called uh, watching a documentary from KOMO Television in Seattle called The Fight for the Soul of Seattle. That's the second. The first one they did was Seattle is Dying, and now this one, and yes, your question. Uh, The first one, Seattle is Dying, was about just under an hour long, if I'm not mistaken. This one was closer to 90 minutes. I made it an hour before I lost all hope in humanity, and I had to shut it off because my depression was taking over. So does that count? Well, no. If if I was grading you, I'd probably fail you because Incomplete. You, didn't, you didn't you didn't complete the assignment. All right, I know. I want to know why I'm watching one on Seattle and not Minneapolis because it seems like uh, Minneapolis is the mirror image of what I've seen yeah. so far. I'm I thought about the same 70, thing. Yep. I'm seventy minutes in, and the only the only thing that I'm angry about is that uh, the, the same exact thing is is playing out and will play out here, and uh, this needs to be done here. And of course, Portland uh, also yep. needs to be done uh, in every big city in the country to reveal these city councils yeah. for what they have become. Yeah, Chicago too, of course. Yes, yeah. you're right. They're just uh, these are just uh, well. Bob writes, I thank you for the recommendation in watching the fight for the soul of Seattle. I streamed my phone through my TV last night, and it left me with sadness. It really pointed out the faults of the salon and the descending path it's created. The politics of pressuring prosecutors, the police chief, as well as running judges out of town, if they don't rule to the liking of the council, became transparent in how the left deal with people who are just trying to do what's right for the people of their city. I'd like to think there's hope for a better future, but unfortunately the city council mirrors that of Minneapolis. I pray that our metro areas don't continue their slide to emulate the vivid images of downtown Seattle. I highly recommend that GLers give it a look. The, uh, the left has no good ideas, especially when they're uh, f- presented to us by people with absolutely no experience other than their own activism. And that's what we face here in, in Minneapolis. That's why it was important to watch, and tomorrow... We're going to talk to the news director who was heavily involved in the production of this documentary, and his name is... Bill Dahlman. Bill Dahlman. And uh, among the questions for Bill Dahlman is, yeah, why... You're an ABC affiliate. Why aren't ABC affiliates all over the country doing the same thing? Yeah, because this absolutely mirrored uh, what's happening in Minneapolis. Right now, fortunately, uh, Minneapolis is on a much smaller scale of destruction in Seattle. Did uh, any of yeah. you guys go to either the comment section or read anything? No. Any no, reactions no, no, no. to this? Because it, that's no, almost as troubling as the documentary itself. Because we were chatting about this before the program began. 
I guess the reason I had to stop, Joe, is it gives me absolutely no hope because, A, the, the people that live closest to the country's tallest buildings, including here in our own backyard, they're going to keep voting for these idiots. And we're outnumbered in that regard. And, B, we're preaching to the choir. The GLers know it's a problem. Speaking of voting for idiots, do you notice in the documentary, Joe, about Seattle that um, there were at least two city council members that were all in favor of uh, increasing the size of the police force and their budget, and then mere months later, these same two council members were trying to shut the police down. Right. And right. Do what changed? Well, they but that was the election B, is, that was election BS, and then they they were just lying, and then yeah. when they get in with their kindred spirits, they're all on board to defund the police. The problem in uh, Seattle, as it will be proven in a great measure to be the problem here, is that uh, uh, drug addiction is so ruinous, uh, and and the city council in Seattle has compounded the ruination of drug addiction by calling off all arrests, calling off prosecutors, and calling off judges. Let it be. You can do anything you want. Mm-hmm. That's their attitude. Uh, but the uh, to the credit of KOMO, uh, they came up with solutions, just like they did in the first one called Seattle is Dying. And that is, these people have to be arrested. They have yes. to be arrested and taken to facilities where they spend the first amount of time in the facility uh, getting their act together and then the second uh, portion of their stay they go to a different wing in the facility and they're offered treatment and and help and they came up with buildings that could do this and what have you and and they're getting just no action from the city council the city council for, for reasons we've discussed has decided to let the city degenerate mm-hmm. and they they do it in the in believing that they're doing the right thing for these people. Well, no, they're just harming them. The left doesn't mm-hmm. help people. The left harms people. And uh, it, 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 not only is it happening, what, what struck me is that they're damn smug about it. Right. right. We know yeah. so much more than you do. <laughs> the mayor went on with, uh, who's the Como that has the CNN nightly show? Andrew? Who's the governor? Uh, no, it's Chris. Chris, Chris Como. Chris, Chris Como was the CNN guy. Yeah. Yeah. He had Jenny Durkin on the mayor uh, this summer, and she said, "Well, maybe this will be the summer of love." Yeah. And he and yeah. he said, <laughs> and he said, "Well, I don't think the police feel that way." And she just smirked. She yeah. smirked. You'll note she's not running for re-election because she knows she'd lose. <laughs> One of the things I want to know, uh, talking to Bill Dahlman, is what. How is this geographically impacting Seattle? In other words, is normal life continuing in Seattle in in 95% of Seattle's land mass? In other words, does that make sense? No. Well, okay, is normal life happening? I'm sure normal life is happening in wealthy neighborhoods. Right, I believe you're right. This is just affecting downtown. As but, far there's as no, but there's no, uh, there's no downtown anymore. Right. <laughs> it's it's gone. Right. So so life in Seattle is you shop at your suburban malls and you you go downtown for a uh, for a Mariners game and a Seahawks game and and so what is this is this ruination six six blocks? How far does it spread? How far is the ruining spreading through the city? Well, compare it to here. I mean, you you, you look at really where the the quote unquote trouble spots are. You know, we we talked to the Reverend about this. It's it's that north side 
what is it, Kenny Plymouth up to whatever it is, and then right. you know d- downtown on the weekends. The tents in Seattle appear to be uh, perched everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Didn't a couple of those scenes that looked like they could have been shot in Minneapolis or St. Paul? Get out yes. of my head. That's yes. the exact same thing I thought of, Kenny. Yeah. Uh, okay, anyway, that's tomorrow. If you haven't seen it, GLers, I, I recommend you watch the two of them. Seattle is dying. Well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the, the the fact that they need to be arrested and get put into treatment. The the piece that I found the most compelling was the female who was in and out of you know uh, gangs and you whatever, the, and the one that was addicted to drugs at the yeah. age of six thanks yes. to yeah. her mother. Yes, yeah. yeah. And and she said getting arrested was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, the yeah. final yeah. time. Yeah. Well, and yeah, that's. And then, the, Go ahead. Jeff. I was just going to say, Kenny, uh, you brought up the city council people who changed whatever their mind about police. The one speaking of smugness, the blonde woman, a middle-aged woman, uh, and she's all for no jail, no anything uh, for crimes of poverty. Right. It makes no sense that the, right. these it people. Right. It was crimes. Are, what did they try to pass, John? Crimes of pro- uh, poverty. Crimes of. Addiction Men- and, and mental, and illness. mental, mental illness. illness. Right, yeah. right, right. And, and, and they for, don't, <sighs> no misdemeanors for them. Yeah. So you literally could get away with any sort of burglary, any sort of theft, right whatever. Right up to, until murder. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And the judges who speak otherwise are, Ugh. they just run retire, out run out of yeah. town. Yeah. The, yeah. the prosecuting or the city attorney to me sounded like a guy who needs a groin kick. Uh, he, he's he's right on board with these council people. It's a yeah. shame because much of this is driven by the drug addiction. And if you're not going to help that, if you're not going to address that, and you're not going to attack that, there's no hope for that city. Just none. None. But again, when I say no help for that city, uh, and Dolman will have to clear this up. It's been a long time since I've been to Seattle. But are we talking uh, six square blocks and the rest of life is wonderful and merry and people are singing Christmas carols? Or is this spreading throughout the whole geographical area of Seattle? That's what I want to learn from Dolman. That and why other ABC affiliates aren't doing this. I wish our own Channel 5 would do it. Well, it'd be nice if ABC had the balls to just run it nationally. Could you even imagine? They don't. They don't. Oh, could you imagine? Of course not. Don't. No, I don't even have the balls to tweet the link on my Twitter. Yep, I felt because I just don't want to deal with the fallout. I did from mine only because Joe issued a homework assignment, but I didn't even bother posting it on my personal Facebook page because I didn't even want to deal with the nonsense. I just didn't. We, we. This is right wing propaganda. Okay. Paul, we we okay. were onto this. We were onto this the other day when I suggested, you know, it's time. The battle line has been drawn. This country cannot be continued to cannot continue to be governed by these adult children who have no ideas. They're reactionaries. They're Marxists. They're socialists. They have no uh, competence. They have no uh, ability to navigate the normal. They're they're typical of the residents on the rail, getting away with whatever they want to get away with. And if that doesn't end in America, we don't have a country. It's that simple. If Minneapolis continues the way it is with these preposterous city council members, you don't have a city. And that's no longer an exaggeration. Well, same thing with your side. Right, right, right. Okay, we can save that for tomorrow. Uh, But, boy, if you haven't seen it, you might want to watch it just so the 
conversation with Bill Dolman uh, might make more sense to you. I have two not necessarily unrelated uh, pieces. Uh, more than 150 Minnesota bars, restaurants plan to reopen this week uh, in defiance of the governor's executive order, which we won't know till tomorrow, but it is expected to be uh, a continuing of the restrictions, I would imagine. Uh, and a group of more than 150 business owners say they plan to reopen dine-in service no matter what the governor does. The group is called Reopen Minnesota. It's organizing a massive reopening event. They started a GoFundMe page to cover legal fees uh, that they'll face from the state. And what else does this say? Uh, we are the underdogs who are going to win. Lisa Monet Zarza, owner of Alibi Drinkery in Lakeville, said. Uh, Zarza plans to Isn't open on Wednesday. Uh, alibi. Alibi. No. <laughs> what did I say? Alibi. Alibi. <laughs> <laughs> Close oh, enough. Hold on. Where's the party? Well, that's not the it's, one I it's, wanted. It's at uh, Alibi's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if the Alibi family owns that. Well, we got to add that to the list now because that's another list we got to keep track of the mispronunciations on GL, which is one of my favorite roads to go down. Well, I, I actually am pretty good at. No, you I, add, I get them wrong once in a while. Yeah. Well, Keisha, well, Wisconsin play. is still my favorite, Johnny. Well, that's I not. Still like that's ten, not. A, Tanzania. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Feingar. Feingar. And what were those mushrooms again, Joe? That, uh, uh, oh, yeah. S-H-I-T-A-K-E. Yeah. Here we go, rolling. Oh. Shiitake. There we go. Yeah, let me cut to the chase. You've got, in one spectrum, we've got the businesses waking up to the idea that, mother of God, what are we going to do here? Uh, this can't continue this way. And they intend to reopen, uh, despite Keith Ellison vowing to pursue them and the governor vowing to pursue them. But then I found this, and I'm, I'm puzzled by this, and I'll tell you the adventure I went through. Uh, this is, a, this is a, among the sites I routinely visit every day are all the local sites, for example. And this is from Carol Evan. Since the beginning of the pandemic, data reporter David Montgomery with NPR News has learned a lot from numbers and graphs. The key thing is there's no one metric that tells the whole story of COVID. Montgomery said Montgomery has tracked all the metrics available for the Minnesota Health Department, new cases, tests, positive test rate, hospitalizations, deaths, and more. As new COVID-19 cases continue to fall since late November, Montgomery feels confident now, more than two weeks after Thanksgiving, to say there's absolutely no sign of a direct trend-changing impact from Thanksgiving gatherings here in Minnesota. Hmm. That doesn't mean no one contracted COVID-19 while spending the holiday with family. This doesn't mean that cases might not have fallen even more without Thanksgiving, Montgomery said. But unlike other states, Minnesota does not appear to have a direct surge resulting from Thanksgiving. Health department officials are more reserved in their analysis, saying they worry about an indirect surge. Man, you just can't win. It's like climate change, isn't it? That means someone who did get infected spreading it to many more people and the numbers showing up later. Montgomery's graphs show the positivity rate continues to drop as well meaning the drop in new cases isn't just the result of fewer people taking tests. Perhaps the most optimistic takeaway from the data journalists' graphs is that the current rate, the, 
new cases are falling, by Christmas Eve, Minnesota could be down to 1,500 new cases a day, the lowest since mid-October. So we'd be back to where we were before the surge, Montgomery said. But there hasn't been a surge. Montgomery says he is still waiting for numbers of deaths per day from COVID-19 to begin decreasing to show our current COVID-19 surge is completely uh, on the downswing. Okay, so now I look up Montgomery on on the NPR site uh, because I cannot find this story on NPR. What you do find uh, today, for example, is their lead story, uh, which is a very thorough roundup, latest on COVID-19 Minnesota, and you click on that story, and I'm, I'm waiting to see this information from their own guy, Montgomery. And I'm not. I, I go, okay, oh. new, new COVID-19 hospitalizations in Minnesota. And then we go, there's a big graph. And then we go, uh, new COVID-19 cases in Minnesota by date reported. And we've got more colorful graphs. Uh, daily deaths in Minnesota from COVID-19, more graphs. Uh, caseload spread across age groups. Uh, cases by age per capita. Uh, we go way down here, and you get uh, new cases, ebb, in rural Minnesota. Uh, okay, then you get more per capita. I'm, I'm scrolling way down. Recent COVID-19 hotspots in Minnesota. I'm still looking for their guy, Montgomery, uh, with what I think was very cheerful news. Uh, new caseload still heaviest among people of color. New Minnesota COVID-19 cases uh, per race. Uh, I'm still scrolling. Uh, no sign. Here we go. Way down at the bottom. Way down no, there? No sign yet of Thanksgiving celebration surge. But there's no mention of Montgomery nor his statistics. So I emailed the NPR newsroom, identifying myself, uh, seeking to speak with David Montgomery. You shouldn't have done that. You should have said you were, you know, Joe Smith. Yeah. yeah well, there's a mistake. Well, anyway, that's what I did. And I reached out to this fellow. I, mm-hmm. I'd love to talk to him. I'm not suggesting any manipulation by NPR. I'm not suggesting anything except this predicted Thanksgiving hurricane, according to his analysis, did not happen. Will the comeback to that be... Well, that's because so many people decided to stay home. Well, I think the comeback, I think Walls could point to his lockdowns as, as a reason. You know, you, you couldn't go to a bar or restaurant during Thanksgiving. Right. You couldn't go to a bar or restaurant beginning November 20th through, what, this Friday night? Well, all of us in the show, all five of us, none of us gathered with family. No, I stayed home. I stayed home. Right. I had one family here, but they've been here since the beginning of time. Right. So, but, but. You would think, I don't know, I don't know the why the hesitancy in the uh, local news gathering organizations to it wouldn't hurt to occasionally provide some optimistic news, would it? And here you have tremendous optimistic news. We didn't get a surge. Now this this even gives Walls and Malcolm and the rest of them an opportunity to say, see, see, this is why we shut down. It all works. We didn't get a surge. Right. Yeah. So now they're going to, you know, they'll reboot and say, uh, let's do the same thing for Christmas. It worked for Thanksgiving. Let's do the same thing for Christmas and New Year's, which I anticipate he will be saying tomorrow. 
while in the meantime, as I said, on the other side of the of the of the road here are uh, as many as 200 businesses intending to reopen despite what the governor says tomorrow. But I just found it I found it I found it interesting to to discover this Montgomery fellow uh, who apparently at one time worked for the Pioneer Press. I I do, I do not know him. Uh, but I can't find him mentioned anywhere in here, and he's the guy who crunched the numbers. I don't know how. How did Carol Evan get a hold of it? Well, I'm. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's my question. How did they? How were they made privy to this? It's 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 and then they buried it on their website. It's nothing like this is leading any anyone's uh, coverage of COVID-19, but, but there it is on CARE 11. Data suggests Minnesota did not see Thanksgiving COVID surge. And so I read that, and that's where I learn about this Montgomery. And then I go to NPR. I can't find his piece on this. Uh, so I put the, put the word out to him, and maybe we'll hear from him. But maybe you're right. Most likely, we probably won't. But that's okay. There was no surge at Thanksgiving. Now, does this bolster walls? Or does this bolster the 200 businesses that want to point to it and say, look at that, there was no surge, let's reopen. To which Walls will say, well, there was no surge because you weren't open. We're in a very difficult situation here. And I have no wisdom of Solomon to provide. Yeah. Well, we all know what's going to happen. I mean, this, this lockdown or whatever we're calling it, it's going to be extended through the end of January. And the, and the state has come up with a relief package. Uh, the restaurants and bars say it's not enough. They're going to need some Fed money. Uh, but there is a mini revolt, uh, I think, developing, uh, if not not in the urban area, at least in the hinterlands. There's a, there's a your, revolt. What are your thoughts about that? I'm so conflicted. <laughs> I don't know what to be. Uh, you could easily make the argument and this, a fellow like Montgomery or Tom Hauser could go to the data and show, well, look, since November 20th, when Walls called a shutdown, here's what happened to the numbers. They went down. We didn't get a Thanksgiving surge. And we insist, meaning the government, we insist that if we do reopen against our wishes, we will see a surge, and then the hospitals will be overflowing again, and there we are right back to square one. That's what I think you'll hear. So don't ask me what I think, because I don't know. I don't know okay. where to be. I don't know where to be, Kenny. I'm going to ask you anyway, um, but I'm going to change the uh, the subject. What about Ellison suing small businesses because they decide to reopen? Where where are you on that? Vehemently opposed. Thank you. I don't trust Ellison. Uh, if you want Should to talk there... about Ellison today, I am prepared to. Oh, well, we could talk about him every day uh, <laughs> because I feel the same way you do and more. Um, but we don't have to do that. What about should there be any sort of, uh, I don't know, um, punishment? That's a bad word, I guess. Should should the businesses have to suffer any kind of fining or liquor license revocation or, or anything at all for defying the shutdown and reopening. To say, what should, to, to say that they shouldn't, to say that they shouldn't, push puts us in the same ideological mindset of the Seattle City Council. In other yeah. words, we we would be taking the position of endorsing lawlessness. Right. Okay. Right. We're not endorsing lawlessness. No, no, we're not. 
But here, I keep using my 30 bales experience from Saturday. And I'm in there. I was the only guy in there. And they had two front men and two cooks. And that was it. And I looked around, and I'm thinking, wait a minute. If you had 25 people in here dining, and they were forbidden from sitting at the bar, which I would go along with, but they could still have a drink at their table, and you even put a timer on them. Uh, your visit can be 45 minutes to enjoy uh, no, 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 Germany. That's no, come Okay, on. then forget the timer. Forget <laughs> no, the timer because right. you didn't let me get to my point. Sorry. Wouldn't they be making more money than they are just relying on takeout? Yes. Well, why should these businesses be closed completely when they could, they've already been able to safely demonstrate that, look, if we keep, we'll close the bar off. Christ, put police tape around it. I don't care. But you get to have a cocktail at your table. You get to eat there, and and they, those kinds of restaurants would make more money than they are on takeout. Two more restaurants in St. Paul today just bit the dust and closed. They can't make it on takeout. Who was so, it? Uh, French Cafe, uh, and another one I didn't. I've never heard of. Well, you know the thing is that's going to happen. I mean, every week we're going to get you know a handful that are going to sh- shut it down just because of those same reasons. It's going to just keep happening. When we were reopened there, late summer, fall, there were still restrictions in place, were there not? Yes. yes. Um, in fact, because I stopped at Thirty Bales, this would have been the weekend after Labor Day weekend, and remember it was just gorgeous out. And he has those two patios. They were both, you know, everybody was, you know, socially distant, sitting outside. And he, he basically said, you know, this is really helping me keep the lights on. The fact that he could have people sitting outside uh, and, and having a cocktail and something to the, eat. The reason I ask is because uh, we do a lot of business with uh, two restaurants really close to each other in uh, South Minneapolis. Uh, the Cardinal and... Uh, a brewery right next to it, North something, Northbound, North Yeah, Land, Northbound, North yep. Country, Northbound. some damn thing. And uh, every time the roommate went in there to pick up an order, uh, she said we could have had our choice of tables in there. There were like one or two customers sitting yeah. down and eating, yeah. and it was pretty much pointless to bring the meal home and eat it. We could have just sat there because their business, people are already staying away anyway. Yeah. And they weren't anywhere near their reduced capacity numbers. And that was for both of those joints. Never the, the country has rarely seen this constitutional dilemma. And that's really yeah. what it is. It's a, it's a constitutional yeah. dilemma. The, the, government, uh, the government was never intended to uh, behave the way it has during this pandemic. Uh, the government was the, the founders invented a system by which people were protected from government. They didn't anticipate right. that they didn't create a, a system by which government got to control the people. It was the other way around. The people yeah. were in charge, not the government. So we we're facing yeah. this extraordinary constitutional dilemma that boils down to this. If you want to reopen your uh, tavern, uh, is that tantamount to saying you're willing to get sick? Well, Johnny? I don't think it is. I don't think the thought process goes goes that way for the people who would like to reopen their tavern. Um, I don't understand. I thought things were working fine when you could have whatever it was, 50% capacity. Like Kenny said, I went to a couple of restaurants during that period, and 
there were two, three couples in there, tops. Same right. here. Um, Same here. Right. They weren't anywhere close to their capacity, no, right? not at all. Yeah, not that's at all. what we yeah. saw. But that combined with people still getting takeout from those places, they were keeping their heads above water. Yeah, just barely. Yeah. And you, yeah. you remember all the suppliers too, Joe, the napkins, the food, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the rugs, everything. Well, one of the leaders of this resist movement, let me see if she's, I can find her quote. It's it's uh, fascinating. It's a, I'm sorry for the noise of the paper. Is that uh, uh, Lisa from Alibi? No. John. No. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, you couldn't help yourself, could you, John? I really couldn't. I'm sorry. Uh, she has a great point here. Uh, oh. Uh, okay. Let's see. Is there, uh, I guess I can't find it mm. unless it's this one. On this page, no. She was a she's a, a barkeep up north, north, central Minnesota, and she said, "It's it's not just that we're closed; it's our that us being closed impacts the whole community. Right. They support yep. raffles, yep. and they support charities, and they support the fire department, and they support the youth leagues, and they support you name it. Uh, just as you might anticipate, a, a very popular local bar, how deeply it might be involved in the community. And I hadn't thought of that before." And and she's absolutely right. She's absolutely right. So, but I have no wisdom of Solomon. I don't know where to be. So I don't know where to be. I'm, I'm going to read you something that Kelsey just sent us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I verified it here. Um, and I know that this is going to spark a reaction from both you guys and the listeners. So bear with me here. Ready? <clears throat> What's the source? On December 3rd. Uh, I love Kelsey, but he, he sees some I, strange websites. No, no, no. no. This, the, I, I, that's why I looked it up. Not that I don't trust Kelsey, but I wanted to make sure. This is from Dr. David Samadi, MD. He is a practicing physician in Manhattan, New York. All right? Mm-hmm. Got, got me so far. Mm-hmm. He tweeted this out uh, a day ago. Deaths in the USA over the years, 2010, 2.5 million. 2011, 2.5 million. 12, 2.5. 13, 2.6. 14, 2.6. It, it stays around that. Deaths so far in the United States in the year 2020, as of November, 2.5 million. Where's the spike? Uh, David Montgomery might be able to join us right now. Why don't you text me the number? I'll have him call. Okay. Let me. Let did me you hear reply anything I just said? No. <laughs> yeah, I did, and the, the total number of death rates uh, is not changing, is what I'm to gather from that. Correct. Uh, I did, and the death rates in the U.S. is published every day at the bottom left-hand corner of the Star Tribune, and it and I've been saving them for the past. I've got four of them here, yep. and it's going up steadily. Um, on twelve ten, it was two hundred eighty-six thousand. Today, it's two hundred ninety-seven thousand. Mm-hmm. That's deaths. So it's going up steadily. Joe, did we lose you? No, I'm right here. Okay. I'm right here. Okay. Such there's one quote. We're not breaking here. Show meeting on the air. We'll have a show meeting. I'm waiting to, I just uh, said to David Montgomery, how about right now by phone? I'm waiting for him to respond and I'll give him a phone number. Go ahead. Okay. So this same article we've been looking at and quoting also has an interesting quote from a guy named Richard Dobransky. Dobransky, I hope I'm not butchering that. I apologize if I am. He's the uh, president of the Morrissey Hospitality in St. Paul. 
his quote, we're in a public health crisis and we're in this for the greater good of the public. Uh, he says, uh, why risk your license for short-term gains so they make $400 in two days and then they have to close forever, he asks. Um, and that's an interesting take, but I'm guessing that he might have deeper pockets sure. than some of these other places because he owns 11 Twin Cities restaurants, including the St. Paul Grill, great right. place, three hotels, two event centers, and he thinks it's a bad idea to reopen uh, and close repeatedly. And I'm just wondering maybe if that comes from a place where he can take the hit a little better than some of these mom and pop joints where they're living on the edge during a good year. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure that's the case. I, I'm sure okay. that would be the case. I'm sure that would be the case. Mm. You know who's having a good year? Who's that, Joe? EcoFund Motorsports. Really? And they've extended their uh, sale through Christmas for all GLers. Uh, from now until Christmas, they're going to offer all GLers an additional $200 off the year-end sale prices of all Bintelli e-bikes in stock. Popstar and Rockstar fat tire electric bikes at the lowest price ever of $12.99. Mention GL and they'll throw in a Garage Logic podcast sticker for your garage. Uh, and let me tell you something. They still, well, they did last week. They still had a few spots left for scooter or electric bike storage. Yamaha clothing on sale, 20% off through Christmas. Great youth recreational equipment, youth snowmobiles and ATVs, all those gas scooters that turn every errand into an adventure, and those amazing electric bikes with the best prices of the year right now, right through Christmas. All GLers get an additional $200 off the year-end sale prices of all Bintelli scooters and e-bikes in stock. Not in the clothing and the apparel and the helmets and the great service, great personal attention, the family-run outfit. It's EcoFun Motorsports. It's on Highway 61. Where else? EcoFun Motorsports in downtown Forest Lake. Hey, GLers, it's Reavers here once again for Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, and he has a question for you. Do you know what you own? Well, Mr. Money Talk's clients, well, they do know what they own. You see, Josh has found that most people that he meets with every day, they don't know. He has seen retirement portfolios that have a big percentage in bonds, and there are real instances of people paying more in commissions and fees than they can possibly make on the rate of return that these bonds currently yield. So know what you own. And later today, here in Garage Logic, Mr. Money Talk's got some great news as it relates to one of his favorite companies that's relating to fruit? Question mark? Trust is often overused, and it's even harder to find. So please, take it from me that you can trust Josh. Give him a call today for that free 48-minute financial consultation. Yes, it's free. Give him a call today at 952-925-5608. That's 952-925-5608. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. University of Garage Logic, 98. College of Self-Esteem, zip, nada, nothing. Here's Joe Suchere. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. There sure has been a lot of talk in the news and on social about the future of the Second Amendment and how folks uh, dwelling on the third rail would love to amend our rights and protect us from ourselves. So 
that talk in turn drives up demand and then that in turn affects supply and so on and so forth. Thankfully, we GLers, we have DKMags.com on Old 8 in New Brighton and Monticello Pond and Gun to keep us supplied, stocked, and informed. Firearms? Yeah, all varieties, yeah. Uh, ammunition? Yes, but depending on the load you're looking for, you might not be able to get the quantity you think you might need, and that's the case at every shop in the country right now. Uh, you got to save some for other GLers, you know. Uh, accessories, oh my goodness, yes. Oodles and oodles of accessories. And oh, you know what? That's a great uh, gift idea. I myself could use a new hard shell case for the old <laughs> 50 cal smoke pole. In case my lovely roommate is listening, just saying, hon. Uh, range finders, they're a fun toy. Uh, and your loved one will have a... Ranging stuff with a range... F that's hours and hours of delightful fun. I even bring it out to the fish house to see how far away these idiots are from me. Uh, optics, yes. Scabbards, tack lights, cases, safes. They're all sorts of shooting accessories to be had at DK Mags. And special orders, they're easy, they're fun, and there's nothing better than getting a call from DK Mag saying, hey, pal, your order's in. Stop on by. Check out all the firearms at dkmags.com or better yet, stop in either on Old 8 in New Brighton or get up to Monticello at Monticello Pond and Gun. Here's Johnny Height. Thanks, Joe. This update brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Store. Uh, as you alluded to earlier, Joe, the legislature here in Minnesota has voted to pass a package of coronavirus relief measures aimed at businesses and workers who took the biggest hit from that four-week pause ordered by Governor Walls last month. The Senate vote was 62 to 4 to approve the bill, send it to the House, which passed it 117 to 13 late Monday night, sent to the governor for his signature. The bill includes $216 million grant program for businesses like bars and restaurants and a 13-week extension on unemployment insurance for jobless workers. Hey, John, uh, will you do me a yeah. favor? Uh, mm -hmm. The uh, thing you told me off the air about what I, the information I relayed, will you relay that on the air? Because I'm sure people will want to email it in. Uh, I can. Uh, the CEO, uh, you said, uh, this doctor said uh, we haven't had significantly more deaths. And it, uh, I guess it was a comparison for deaths this year so far as compared to pre the previous 10 years? Uh, and the CDC says that is not true. Okay. Uh, they said, in fact, the year 2020 has been abnormal for mortalities. At least 356,000 more people in the U.S. have died than usual uh, since the coronavirus pandemic took hold. And they say not all the deaths have been directly linked to COVID-19. Uh, more than a quarter of the deaths above normal of the 356,000 have been from other causes, including diabetes, Alzheimer's disease, high blood pressure, and pneumonia. So, uh, Got it. So it's considerably higher, about 356,000 or so. Got it. Uh, this morning, Tuesday, uh, the first doses of the COVID-19 vaccine were administered in Minnesota. The shipments arrived Monday to the Minneapolis VA healthcare system where the shots were given this morning. Uh, Minnesotans are asked to continue being careful because the majority will not be able to get the vaccine for about six months. Over the next few weeks, the state's healthcare workers and those living in long-term care facilities will be vaccinated. Those vaccines are spread out across the state, including shipments, making it to Olmstead County in southern Minnesota and northern Minnesota in Bemidji. In a sudden reversal Monday night, Forest Lake City Council members voted to pull back federal pandemic relief money that they had committed to a new clubhouse on the city-owned Castlewood Golf Course. 
The city will have to find another source of money for the project. We'll look to use the $150,000 in CARES Act funding elsewhere. The money is 10% of the total federal relief funds that Forest Lake received. During the council meeting, Forest Lake City Administrator Patrick Casey advised council members to make the change. During an interview with uh, our friends downstairs at Five Eyewitness News, the mayor defended the council's original, uh, original decision to use the federal funds to build a new clubhouse, but signaled she would be open to making a change after getting a wave of backlash from the community. After almost 60 years, the McDonald's in the Dinkytown neighborhood of Minneapolis has closed. What? Yeah. The one down the street, street here? The one down the street, been there forever. Hmm. Corner of 4th Street and 15th Avenue will soon be home to a new retail and apartment complex. That project has been in the works for a while, but a lot of folks weren't sure when the popular late-night stop for college students would finally close. It's expected to be demolished, along with some of the other surrounding businesses, to make way for the new development. You know what the coolest part about that McDonald's was, don't you, boys? Huh? It had the upstairs. Yeah, two levels. Yeah. Because yeah. that corner will not look right. No, it won't. Without it. No, this Where is all, all these... Minneapolis, John. At 2040 is already here. Where are all these people coming from to fill these places? I guess right. got news at my favorite gas station. Might He might sell to a developer who wants to put an up, apartment up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who's, who, well, there was a story. Snelling oh. and Randolph. Okay. There was a story, I believe it was a Fox 9 piece that ran over the weekend that I saw where there's a Chicago-based company that's coming in here and just slapping these up as quick as they possibly can. To answer your question, Joe. Do you know how long it tra- uh, takes me to train a new gas station into letting me oh not pay at the pump? Oh my God. It's a hard work. It's hard work it's to earn process. that privilege. Yeah. So you're saying you're that open for solicitation for a future gas station if they want to email no, I got a GLJoe at garagelogic.com. <laughs> no, I, I got, no, my backup also allows me to pay inside after I'm done pumping. Speaking of that, can I share with you guys how sad my life is? Um, <laughs> we already know. Right. <laughs> can I tell you why I'm super excited this week? I didn't know you why? were. We're getting a quick trip about a block away from my house, and I'm oh, very, boy. very excited. Wow. I like Quick Trip. I love Quick Trip. I do too. Yeah. But I don't know that it I'm would make super my week. excited. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's only five more days. Yeah, 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 yeah. A Twin Cities man was one of the four people stabbed in Washington D.C. over the weekend while demonstrating among Proud Boys followers over the weekend. District of Columbia police said 39-year-old Corey Nielsen of Robbinsdale was taken to a nearby hospital after being wounded near Harry's Bar, which the Washington Post described as a gathering spot for the Proud Boys. Originally charged with assault in the case was 29-year-old Philip Johnson of the District of Columbia, but uh, those charges have now been dropped against Johnson. The clash involved the stabbings occurred when dozens of Trump supporters confronted Johnson, an African-American man who was walking by himself. Uh, Proud Boys closed in and began to punch and kick him, according to authorities. At that point, uh, Johnson pulled out a knife, began slashing as more demonstrators piled on to him. In all, there were 39 arrests over the weekend. Authorities said the Proud Boys outnumbered anti-Trump protesters by about six or seven to one. But when that fights broke out, there seemed to be mutual combatants in those fights. President-elect Joe Biden reaffirming his faith in American democracy and the integrity of its elections in an address Monday after the Electoral College formalized that victory over President Trump. In some of his most sweeping comments since he was projected as the winner, Biden attempted to unify the country with direct appeals to the more than 74 million Americans who voted for President Trump. 
William Barr, the attorney general, one of President Trump's staunchest allies, resigning amid lingering tensions with the president over the president's claims of election fraud and investigation into President-elect Joe Biden's son. Barr went Monday to the White House, where the president said the attorney general submitted his letter of resignation. A new request from the attorney of Derek Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer accused of killing George Floyd, asked the court for more time to get ready for next year's trial. In the filing Monday, attorney Eric Nelson blasted the state for the way it's presenting the evidence, saying it's been unorganized and delayed. He asked Hennepin County District Court Judge Peter Cahill to push back the start of the trial. Uh, Currently, the trial is set for March. All four officers involved in Floyd's arrest will stand trial together in Hennepin County. I would just soon have the trial in January. Mm-hmm. Well, it's about 25 below. That's right. Yep. The Wisconsin Department of Health Services issued a, a warning that's become apparently a regular thing. Don't eat raw meat. Now, you ask why they... Well, okay, I won't. The, here's, oh, here's the listen, deal. Now, listen to this. Now, I love this. See, I grew up in North Dakota where this is... You, you eat this all the time. What? Uh, this is called, it's uncooked hamburger. That's only partially true. It's actually uncooked sirloin. Now, what's it called in a restaurant? We call it tiger meat in oh, North see, Dakota. It, no, it, it was, it's not called that around here. I can't think it's of the called, name. Well, it's either called uh, in Iowa and uh, other places they call it cannibal sandwiches. No, it's not. Oh. And, you know, we, have a, we have a more civilized name here. Steak tartar. Ah, that's that it. Tartar. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, this is, it's it's uh, ground up sirloin with onions, green pepper, lots of black pepper, salt, and you put it on a cracker and it's wonderful. I eat it all the time when I go back to Mandan. There's a uh, place huh. there that makes their own and sells it and it's just incredible. Here we just call it salmonella. That's what we call it here, John. Well, I've I've been eating it since I was five years old. Never, never once made me sick. Never hmm. once. You Backwoods hillbilly. <laughs> <laughs> Eat it with your you hands too, don't you, John? What's that? Eat it with your hands too, don't you? Well, you put it on a cracker. Use a knife. You put it on a cracker. You oh, are man. a cracker. <laughs> <laughs> Next on. time I go back to Mandan, I'll bring you some back. No. <laughs> Yeehaw! Let's go down to Cooters and get the General Lee fixed up. <laughs> Have us some cannibal some meat. New- Need some new used tires. Fred, you Even, fixing for some cannibal meat? I was so hungry for this. Last week there was a post on Facebook talking about it, and I mentioned, boy, I wish I had some here, but I don't know anybody that makes it here. We've lost uh, anyway, sight of the story. What happened in Wisconsin? Anyway, well, nothing. They're just warning, and apparently they do this every Christmas because it's popular to do at Christmas. Uh, so the health department said you shouldn't eat raw or undercooked hamburger uh, because, like Chris said, salmonella, E. coli, all those things can't, uh, could be around. play that song, Chris. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah. Other holiday foods can also carry risks of illness. They warn about these, too, like uh, don't eat raw cookie dough. That carries the risks of E. coli. Also make sure that drinks like eggnog make it back into the fridge after you fill up your glass. I'm covered on all three of them. I ain't eating it or drinking it. Oh, the the tiger meat's so good, Joe. Oh, it's dreadful. (laughs) A couple of uh, show business deaths recently. Uh, Anne Reinking. You guys know who Anne is? No. Uh, dancer, actor, Tony Award-winning choreographer who performed on Broadway for nearly three decades, where she was known for her long association with Bob Fosse and his work, died on Saturday. She was 71. She died in her sleep in a hotel room in the Seattle area. Uh, best known for playing Roxy Hart in the musical Chicago on uh, Broadway, 
Uh, I know her best because she is in, uh, you guys ever seen the film All That Jazz, the Bob Fosse film? Yeah. Yes. She was, she played the ex-wife. Oh. The tall, tall dancer. Sure. That's Anne Ryan King. Uh, and that was a weird mixture of real life because when she was very young, she became involved with Fosse when he was an older man. And uh, the star she replaced in Chicago was Gwen Verdon, who had been married to Fosse. So all kind of evil. I'll be damned. There. Thanks for that uh, dirt alert. <laughs> <laughs> While we're on the topic of uh, yeah. dancing, do you think that Fred Astaire looks like a lot like uh, Stan from Stan and Ollie? Yes. Okay, I do. Really? I've never made that connection. I just had to purge my brain of that because every Saturday they're playing these Laurel and Hardy uh, cuts, or shorts, excuse me, on one of the TV stations. And then I've been watching Fred Astaire movies this week, and it's like, that's the same guy. All he has to do is mess his hair up and do that thing where he scratches (laughs) his head funny. Well, I certainly hope so. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, let me hear you guys can make more fun of me. I always like Gene Kelly better. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I know that. He's, <laughs> oh, good. You're playing along. Good. Well, he's... <laughs> why? He's more uh, athletic, more... Uh, you know, Fred's kind of, you know, dainty. Fred's graceful. Graceful. That's a good word. That's a better word than dainty. Yeah, yes. I think and Fred's Gene Kelly a better is very af- Fred's athletic. a better dancer. Joe, what do you think? Are you going to cover Charlie Pride's uh, passing? I got oh. it right here. Over yeah. the weekend, we lost yeah. Charlie Pride. Uh, trailblazer of sorts, being one of the first and uh, only black country artists. Get this. He had 15 number one hits on the country wow. charts. I've always That's loved a- the Harmon Killebrew connection with Charlie. What's that? Yeah. Well, it was Letterman, right, John? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Letterman had Killebrew on. Was it Joe? Help me. Was it af- right after Harmon got into the Hall of Fame? I don't know. Well, he I had him on. The, Letterman was a huge Harmon right? Killebrew fan. And really? he had Charlie Pride call him on the phone, and Charlie sang to Harmon on his show over the telephone. It was oh, it's boy. such a cool, cool oh, clip. Cool. Uh, Charlie did have a baseball connection. He was a very good ball player. Pitcher. Oh, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, in the Negro Leagues. Probably would have made the Major Leagues, but an arm injury forced him to quit playing ball. He was, uh, he was there right as the transition was happening when they started letting huh. uh, black men play baseball in the Major Leagues. Uh, so when he quit playing ball, he started singing country music. He died from COVID-19 complications. Charlie was 86 years how much, old. Uh, how much hillbilly uh, hatred did he have to deal with in Nashville? Oh, constant, I'm sure. Non-stop. Although yeah. he always tried to, to, to make it a, a not-color you know color thing. Right. He said, unfortunately, other people did, but he just tried to ignore it completely. He had a very smooth, silky voice, not, mm-hmm. a, not a country war- warbler, no. if you know what I mean. Not at all. Yeah. And if, I, if you're my age, you had to play Kiss and Angel Good Morning in every band you were ever in. So. Right. <laughs> all eyes on the Northeast as a significant winter storm is developing and uh, could bring what are being called, and this is a quote here, epic snowfall totals, possible blizzard conditions, and ice from the mid-Atlantic to New England. Uh, don't the uh, Vikings play on the East Coast this weekend? They're home they to Chicago. They play the Bears at home. Oh, they play the Bears. Never mind. I thought they were in. Uh, but I'll be Florida. anxiously uh, looking to see who's playing so I can hope there's a game in that snowstorm. 
Yeah, it, uh, it's supposed to be the same. Uh, low pressure will move off the southeast coast, become a nor'easter Wednesday into Thursday. A wintry mix will start over North Carolina and Virginia with freezing rain and accumulating ice, and snow could continue for several days. All right, I have it right here, John. Uh, yes, sir. On February 11th, 1986, David Letterman dedicated an entire show to Harmon Killebrew. Uh, he called Charlie Pride on the phone, who sang Mountain of Love over nice. it to the entire audience. And Charlie Pride also sang the song again and to others at Harmon's funeral, which was what, in 2006, I believe? Mm-hmm. So that's so cool. That's so cool. Uh, You may have seen or will see uh, this video, a Florida golfer caught on camera retrieving his ball from a a dangerous hazard, the tail of an alligator. Kyle Downs said he and his brother were at the Coral Oaks Golf Course in Cape uh, Corral. Is that Corral or Coral? Boy, you got to be hard up for going after one golf ball. Coral? Coral. Let's go with Coral. Coral. On Sunday when a ball landed on the gator's tail. A down-shared video of his brother sneaking up on the alligator and grabbing the ball off its tail. No, you got to quickly... play it where it lies, John. Be sure to hit it <laughs> off the tail. Shooting. What is that? Is that a just a one-stroke penalty, uh, Joe? How many? Oh, if he's going to uh, take the ball off the tail and place it, that's a two-stroke penalty, I think. Plus, it Ooh. was be in the water, Joe. So, isn't that an additional? No, no, the it, tail it was, was on the land. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. I saw, saw the video. Yeah. Okay. The player quickly grabs the ball, and the alligator, apparently startled, turns around but darts into the water. Uh, the alligator in the video apparently is well known to golfers in that area. It has a name. He's called Charlie. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Did you guys see the viral video? I think it was last week or the week before of some guy's little pocket uh, purse dog that got snatched by a gator. And oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> The great thing about this video that I don't know that anybody's commented on, he uh, goes out there and he wrestles this gator and pries its mouth open. The little dog gets away. The whole time, the guy's got a cigar in right. his mouth. Yeah, That's I saw that. So awesome. Wonderful. Just, so awesome. But it was a juvenile alligator, right? It yeah. wasn't a yeah, monster. It was on the small side, but, yeah. you know, that's still ballsy. Right. right. <laughs> You're right. He never dropped the cigar never once. Never lost it. Right. <laughs> uh, in Kentucky, dozens of people thought they had a winning lottery ticket, but it was a typo. Oh. And all I could think of when I read this story was the Reno 911. Oh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Bullitt County resident Sarah Whitlow was one of those residents who thought she had hit the jackpot. She said, when I looked at it, I yelled, I won, I won. I was very happy. I looked at it more closely. I won two, both games. They're individually gamed, and I just started crying because it's been a rough year. Still healing from injuries from breaking her ribs this year, Whitlow thought she had uh, had hit it big, winning $64,000. But that happiness turned to heartbreak. They told me it was a mistake, and they don't have to honor any of the tickets. The Kentucky Lottery says the game vendor, International Game Technology, did a software update in October that caused about 500 tic-tac-cash game tickets to be printed with the wrong symbols. The fast play game works like a scratch-off where players match symbols to see if they've won a prize, but the invalid tickets had symbols or images that weren't part of the game. IGT declined an interview but relief, uh, released a brief written statement saying they had resolved the temporary issue. The state law that governs Kentucky lottery operations said no prize ticket shall be paid arising from claim tickets that are produced or issued in error. 1,200 Texas players are suing IGT over the Fun 5 tic-tac-toe game, alleging instructions were misleading and fraudulently led them to believe they had purchased a winning ticket.
The uh, the best part about the Reno 911 clip was when I forget the actor's name, but he comes in with the the blinking uh, grill that he had just purchased. <laughs> yeah. and he goes, "Oh yeah, B words." He starts going, "Bleep you, bleep you." Uh, Cedric something is his name, and I believe he's from here. Is he really? I did not yeah. know that. Huh. Cedric yeah. the Entertainer? No, not no. no. Cedric Yar- Yarbrough is oh. his name. Oh, is he buddies with Swartzen? Because Swartzen's uh, from here too. He, yeah, he might be. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, so yeah. funny. I wasn't on yesterday, uh, Joe, but your microphone sounds incredible. Just so Isn't you know. Isn't that nice, John? Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Had the makings of a dangerous situation involving an apparent knife attack on a woman. The father of the woman hurriedly reported to authorities in late November that she sent him a text saying she had, was being stabbed. This is in Wisconsin. The Winnebago County Dispatch Center contacted Menasha Police, and eight officers were sent to the women, uh, woman's apartment. Police officer Nick Olazak said he indicated his daughter was being stabbed, possibly by a live-in boyfriend. Meanwhile, we tried to call Dad back and tried to reach the daughter, but were unable to reach her. Officers were positioned outside the apartment when, to everyone's surprise, the woman showed up. Turned out she hadn't been stabbed after all. She hadn't been feeling well. Went to a clinic to be tested for COVID-19. She sent a text to her dad to let him know that she had been swabbed. Autocorrect changed swab to... Stabbed. Oh. Officer Olazak said the woman apparently saw the text message while she was at the clinic and learned that the police were outside her apartment. A Florida woman was shocked by an early morning visitor that had made herself at home in her Christmas tree a raccoon. Just $12. Well, oh, <laughs> just $12, huh? Hmm. Early Thursday morning. We're at paying about attention, four... John, I promise. We are. <laughs> <laughs> I always worry when I look at the screen images and your turn to the left kenny's turn to the right well because i have to look a different way like if I i'm looking at you guys i'm not yeah. sure okay i love lucy is on i'm not making any <laughs> i'd watch that too if i were you uh, this this all happened last thursday morning about 4 15 woken up by her dog growling was aubrey icobelli she said i have a doggy door and my dog sleeps right in front of the dog door i woke up and i heard her barking she asked Alexa to turn on the lights and saw her dog was staring at the Christmas tree and barking. She said, I look up and I see a furry body in the Christmas tree. She thought it was a cat. So she grabbed a frying pan to try to get the animal out. She <laughs> said, I didn't want to hurt the animal. I just wanted it outside of the house. Mm-hmm. Well, that's when the animal came out and the animal was a raccoon. Uh-huh. Uh, she did, strangely enough, shoot video of all this as it was going on. Uh, you can see her tree get knocked over when the raccoon jumps out, and the raccoon uh, very gingerly jumps to a chandelier that she has in her living room and starts swinging on it. The raccoon stayed on the chandelier, she said, for about 30 minutes before she finally took a broom, forced the raccoon off the chandelier. The raccoon then ended up jumping down and going back through the dog door. I can't... Uh... I can't. I can't wait to see that uh, video. Thank you, John. Pretty, pretty exciting. Sounds, really sounds wonderful. Really wonderful stuff. Could have lost uh, you guys there, didn't I? Yeah, you really did. Uh, we're going to have to take a short time out here. Okay.
Hey, we want to remind you once again, courtesy of our friends with Ray and Welter Heating and Air Conditioning, to support your local restaurants. They are obviously going through a hard time right now, and their holiday season is usually one of the busiest times and their doors are closed. But they are trying to save all the business that they can by offering great takeout food. So it would be good if you could show your support and order up food for some great restaurants, like we mentioned at 30 Bales, of course. But also, how about, oh, I don't know, Parlor over in St. Paul, Dirty Sam's in Minneapolis, Clive's Roadhouse house over in Blaine. Uh, let's help out these folks, GLers. Anything that you can do would be greatly appreciated. And thanks again to Ray and Welter Heating and Air Conditioning for sponsoring our drive to support these great establishments. If you have any heating needs this holiday season, check them out online at welterheating.com. You'll learn more here by accident than elsewhere by design. Here's Joe Suchere. Hail the flashlight king. Hail you. It's not often that I disagree with Mr. David Bliss, but like Keddy shooting at coyotes, I think he missed the mark by a good bit regarding the college loans yesterday. Our whole society continually pays money for programs and services that they will not access, use, or directly benefit from. People who cannot have or choose not to have children pay money every year to educate other people's children as one example. We all agree to do things like this for the overall good and advancement of our society. The question I'd pose to Mr. Bliss is, what benefit directly results from having an entire class of people in essential occupations permanently saddled with inescapable debt? There's not much use in pretending that the college loan racket is a solid, ethical, well-run system that is simply utilized irresponsibly by some people who have made bad choices. Detailing the problems there is outside the scope of a podcast email, but for an excellent rundown, I'd refer to you to a wonderful piece by Matt uh, Taby in Rolling Stone, The Great College Loan Swindle. As detailed there, it will be obvious that even people who work hard and make responsible choices are badly served by this system to the detriment of society as a whole. It's a bad game with bad rules. There's also no much use in pretending that a college education is viewed the same way by society now as it was even as recently as the 1980s. It's now considered to be about as basic a requirement as a high school diploma for many professions. I'm of the opinion that if society is going to decide that a bachelor's degree is a life requirement, then access to one should be free and not wrapped in a finance, education, government, money, printing collusion. Free like high school. We all agree high school is necessary. We all agree our society needs people to have done this so everyone can attend. And we all now apparently largely agree that a college degree is necessary too, which is a change, a fairly recent change handled by a swindle that is not serving our overall society well. The system we have now is you need a degree and you're going to pay through the nose for it one way or the other and more every year or you're working three jobs to keep your head above water by the time you're 25. If you can find three jobs, Joe, things have changed a lot recently and not just in downtown Minneapolis. Keep your Stanfords and Yales and St. Thomas's in place, absolutely. As with everything in a free society, if you want and can afford a, a private uh, upgrade, it should be available to you. But access to a degree should be available to everyone who wants it without permanently mortgaging your life. Borrowing ideas from populations as diverse as Mormons, Germans, and the GI Bill, I'd wrap a free public degree in a two-year program of national service. From 18 to 20, you are in service, not just the military, although that would be one option. Long-term care facilities, civic improvement and youth programs, 
These can be staffed with a steady, reliable stream of young people paying their freight by serving society, and at the end of the tour, your certificate entitles you to pursue a bachelor's without crushing debt. This system works. It's not just a theory. We have the money to do it, and we know how to do it, because many other societies are already doing it, and successfully. But things don't change until something changes, and we need to actually start at a given point. Somebody has to take the hit somewhere. I'm paying some money for college for my son now, and I do not expect recompense later. To answer my own question to Mr. Bliss, from my perspective, our society is not well served by having a large class of teachers, personal care attendants, nurses, police officers, and other vital professions staffed by people who will never escape paying a large portion of a small paycheck for an education that, while vital, will never provide the income necessary for a way out. Yes, we forgive student loan debt, but not continually and not retroactively and not until we have a better system in place. Otherwise, it's nothing but a band-aid fraught with frustrations that Mr. Bliss outlines. For the overall good of our society, we establish a system of national service resulting in free access to a higher education, and then we forgive existing student loans pushing back in Minneapolis J. Well, uh, I, I guess this would fall under the rubric of two things can be true. Uh, David Bliss's comments can be viewed as true, but so can Jay's. Uh, it's very interesting. These guys are deep thinkers. And he adds a postscript. And another thing, put another way, the tone of Mr. Bliss's statement came off essentially as, we've had a great system until now. I used it responsibly, so did many others, and now these softies are looking for a handout. That's not the case. Almost every condition of the whole scheme has changed, and recently we are handling it badly. Societal expectations for education, the cost of that education, the quality of that education, the disparity of that education, all of those variables have changed and continue to do so every year. And we are making big mistakes in how we address these changes. The student loan situation these days resembles nothing so much as a protection racket when viewed from a different lens. You have to have this. We have it. Pay up or else. Oh, and we've already worked out a system where all of us are taken care of up front, and you're on the hook permanent, permanently. As Tabby relates, the President of the United States can declare bankruptcy four times, and a college student can't do it once. Bad game, bad rules. Changing it, forgiving student debt, is not something I view as political so much as pure common sense with conditions. Good luck, Jay. What do you think, boys? Good points. We have different, we have, two yeah. things can be true. Two things can be true, especially when they're presented by people who uh, have taken the time to do some thinking, like Bliss and uh, Whithoff. I think that's, yeah. uh, that's fantastic. You want some great news? Boy, do what I. this does, though, is it shines a light on what a disappointment I am to myself because there was a point when I was a <laughs> younger man that I promised when I got older, I promised myself when I got older I would not be one of those crotchety old bastards constantly bitching about where my tax dollars are spent. <laughs> and that is exactly what I have turned into, just mm -hmm. always bitching about where my taxes are being spent. There you go. A 45-year-old man accused of repeatedly vandalizing an 89-year-old Minneapolis woman's house because he was upset with one of the other people living there. Lamar Johnson was charged Monday with stalking, first-degree property damage, and six counts of illegally possessing a firearm as a, a convicted felon in connection with the repeated vandalism at Francis Mosley's home on the 5100 block of Cedar Avenue South near Lake Nokomis. This is the moron who broke her windows nine times. They got him. They got him. Security cameras. Out? Huh? 
Is he back on the streets already? I don't think so. Mosley's home had been hit nine times since March. Uh, the incidents resulted in $6,000 worth of damage. According to the charges, DNA evidence connect, collected at the house after one of the incidents in October matched Johnson. Investigators learned Johnson has a civil dispute with one of the people living at the home. He also owned the vehicle seen in the surveillance video at the scene. Investigators executed a search warrant at Johnson's house and found six guns, two revolvers, one bolt-action rifle, one shotgun, and two handguns. As a convicted felon, Johnson is prohibited from owning handguns. In an interview with investigators, Johnson admitting, admitted to damaging Mosley's house. <clears throat> he told investigators he is furious with one of the residents at the home, saying he wished him dead, according to the charges. Johnson also admitted all the guns were his. Meanwhile, Mrs. Mosley is grateful the person was finally, finally caught. Uh, I think this is fantastic, and I've read a different version of this story, which indicates that those evil police that are responsible for so much crime in Minneapolis, those bad yeah. policemen, they uh, they took this on. They uh, A bunch of them got together, uh, detectives, and they did a lot of work on their own time just to get this mm-hmm. guy, and I think it's fantastic. I Wasn't that your theory, Joe, that you thought it was somebody else? Yes, yeah. I, I, there had to be more to that than, yeah, yeah. So it turns, out it, it turns out it was a guy with a beef uh, with someone else in the house. Maybe she runs a room or something. Quote of the day. No, I'm going to save that. I'm going to save that. I'll just save that, Brad. I want to tell you about Grunhoffers. Do it. Can't name the new meatloaf yet. Because it's not available yet, we will be told. But I am con- convinced that it will be called Town Ball Meatloaf. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic, but I have been requested by the proprietors of Groundhover's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo <laughs> to keep that on the QT for a while. In the meantime, get the meatloaf that's already on the shelf, or the brats, or the ham, or the bacon, or the salmon, or the seasonings, uh, prime rib for Christmas. Uh, are you kidding me? There's no greater stop for the best meat in town than Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats in Hugo. The new uh, construction is underway. I would imagine there'll be a grand opening of some sort this spring. Maybe maybe we can have a GL party out there. When oh, the, that would be fun. When the new building uh, opens, because this has become uh, Garage Logic's destination for meatertainment. It's right in Hugo on Highway 61. Where else would it be? Right on Hick 61, just north of downtown Hugo. It's Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats. You cannot stop him. He'll just make a move. Joe Suchere. Hey, fellas, we have to congratulate GLer Trina. She was chosen from the blog subscribers of Harmony Spirits this month, and she won a free bottle of Harmony Spirits, and you can be the next person. All you have to do is sign up for that monthly blog slash newsletter online at harmonyspirits.net, and if you do that, you can, and again, it's free, you can randomly be selected to get that free bottle of Harmony Spirits. i got to see what she picked here, by the way. Uh, it looks like, ooh, she went with the Barrel Strength Bourbon. How'd you, uh, did you, did you uh, sample that I think one? That's, I think that's wonderful. As I've said, it has a just a little note of smokiness, which I really enjoy. So uh, also go to their Twitter account, at Harmony Spirits. Once we uh, get uh, out of this lockdown situation, they're going to be having a bunch of tastings at some of your local liquor stores. But go into your local liquor store if you do not have Harmony Spirits and ask for them by name. And that's how they're going to continue to grow their brand. At Harmony Spirits on Twitter, harmonyspirits.net, local handcrafted spirits made right 
down Southern Way in Harmony, Minnesota. Fantastic guys and even better products. Harmony Spirits, tell them you heard about it right here on GL. Sanibel Jim has become increasingly taken by the uh, quotations of President Teddy Roosevelt, and he uh, particularly enjoyed this one. But the curse of every ancient civilization was that its men in the end became unable to fight. Materialism, luxury, safety, even sometimes an almost modern sentimentality weakened the fiber of each civilized race in turn. Each became in the end a nation of pacifists, and then each was trodden underfoot by some ruder people that had kept that virile fighting power, the lack of which makes all other virtues useless and sometimes even harmful. Uh-huh. Joel, the hearty backslapping in this article is thick. Explaining the restorative justice approach for this incident has to be peak mystery. And I, anytime I see talking circles mentioned, I know the BS is nearby. Not only will this criminal face no prosecution or record, he gets to do his community service pushing the exact same political agenda that he used to justify his actions. He's talking about the fellow who knocked over the Columbus statue at the Capitol. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. I'm speechless. Basically, he got to decide his own punishment. Talk about being rewarded for bad behavior. Forcia agreed to perform 100 hours of community service by educating the public about the cultural genocide indigenous peoples endured during the development of the United States. In exchange, the state of Minnesota agreed to drop all charges. In a land where criminals get handled with kid gloves, what did the law-abiding citizens get out of being decent and principled? How about this criminal get to pay to have the statue restored? That would be restorative justice, Daniel. Yeah, we've covered that before. You could see that coming. The salon is treating criminal behavior ever more uh, uh, easily and easily. Only because they come to us all the way from where? Mumbai, India? Mumbai. From our friend Tom Lyman. In 1887, the first issue of the Northfield Independent appears. The newspaper's editor declaring that it comes in its own independent way without first having asked leave to be but intends to justify its being by filling a vacant journalistic place in this city and the surrounding country. It will labor that the homes it is permitted to enter may be brighter and purer for its coming. Their burdens lightened, if possible, their industries ennobled. Hmm. Wow. Sounds like today's newspaper, doesn't it? Basically. And on this day in 1892, J. Paul Getty was born in Minneapolis. I did not know that. Wow. An entrepreneur, he would become a billionaire in the oil business and would bequeath much of his fortune to the Getty Trust, a philanthropic philanthropic organization that supports the visual arts. There you have it on this day in history. And we're headed for more warmer weather as the week plays on. So... Thank you for that. Oh, that okay. <laughs> I didn't know if that was the end of the sentence. <laughs> well, that was the end of the sentence. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What's going on tomorrow here on the GL Podcast, Such? We're going to have, uh, help me, Reeves, Bill. Reeves? Yep. Uh, who, are, who are we having? We're uh, Bill, Bill from Seattle. Yep. I'm trying to find the email. I don't want to mispronounce his last name. He's just a Bill. Bill Dahlman. Bill Dahlman, who is the news director for KOMO in Seattle. Sorry I asked. Thanks a lot, Kenny. Uh, 
Yeah, it's your fault, Kevin. Just a minute, let me. Let me Most things on. are, John. <laughs> now you got to be going through this. There it is, Bill Dolman. You'll be on tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> I had it right there. There, it the was right there. Yeah, it's right there. It was right there. Searching. Uh, what is it? Searching for the soul of Seattle, or fight for the soul of Seattle? Fight. Yep. Yep. Man, it's just an powerful, powerful one hour and a half. I recommend it. It's just, unfortunately, I recommend it because it's what we see in the tea leaves happening right here. Yeah. Maybe do it when you can have a nice glass of Harmony Spirits to ease your your pain. No, you'd need that that syringe right in your arm there. Just uh, Well, yeah. Okay. That's not the word I was looking for. No, no. Oh, Especially shunt. Shiitake mushrooms. Uh, you know what? I'll see you tomorrow. Kenny's Bye, Kenny. <laughs> I just can't. Uh, Kenny can't do it anymore. How about I, Goodbye. How about I fire away. that? How about I fire Go that away. right there? Hey, uh, we should mention really quick, by the way, uh, as I get off the email from Bill Dolman, that... All this month, you can win a Garage Logic flag just by listening to GL with the Pod MN app. Download it on your Apple and Android devices today. Also, please subscribe to GL on YouTube. GLers, we have a goal to get to around 5,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel, and only you can help us get there. Search Garage Logic on YouTube or find the link to our channel on garagelogic.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find the links to all of our social media accounts online at garagelogic.com. We'll catch you tomorrow.